You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Weinstein from Vandy247. He's going to give us all the intel on the Commodores this season, getting ready for this big game, a big game for Georgia right before uh, the Bulldogs have their bye week. So, Robbie, how is this Thursday afternoon treating you as we get ready for this game on Saturday morning? Yeah, thanks for having me, Jordan. It's been good. I've been really busy up here, but it's a really beautiful day in Nashville. I honestly haven't checked the um, weather forecast for Saturday, but it's like 75 and sunny today. So hopefully really nice conditions for uh, for the game this weekend. Fingers crossed. And I can tell you for sure, Robbie, that's better than what we're dealing with in Athens. A little bit of rain. Uh, so I'm sure Georgia fans will be very excited to get up there to Nashville. So getting ready for this game, I want to start and take – a look at this Vanderbilt team. And you and I have gone back and forth a little bit earlier this week with our questions for each other, which you guys can see on Vandy 247. You can see on Friday on Dogs 247. Uh, but tell me what you think of this Vanderbilt team, two and five, riding a five-game losing streak. Um, what is your sense of where this Vanderbilt team is going into this big game against Georgia? Yeah, they're, they're a mess for sure. I mean, it, it, when coming into the season – they had done a pretty good job over the last two or three years of changing their roster around. And, you know, our former colleague at 24-7, Barton Simmons, is basically in charge of that since he's the director of player personnel or general manager. And so, you know, the feeling was after they were probably a little bit lucky to go five and seven last year, but maybe it was a four and eight type of team. And so why would they get worse from that? You would think they'd get a little bit better at least. And that just hasn't been the case. Uh, there's been a lot of issues with uh, their very undisciplined football team. They make a ton of mistakes and they appear to be poorly coached. So that, you know, certainly the fans are very upset. Uh, the, the players, I, I think, are getting close to potentially quitting here on the season, to be honest with you. And uh, it's, you know, it's surprising to me because I think talent wise, they're not the typical Vanderbilt team that you and I or you know everybody else is is kind of used to like from 2019 or 2020 2021 you know they're they're the tallest and longest team in the SEC if you go up and and count the number of guys who they've got six five or six six on their roster or taller uh, they've got athletes they've actually got some speed and it just hasn't added up to anything uh, good this season. 
looking at certain parts of this offense, starting with the offense, uh, what have you seen from quarterback? You know, A.J. Swan, Ken Seals has played a good bit here lately. Um, what has stood out to you about quarterback and what we might see on Saturday? Yeah, A.J. Swan is, is really talented, and I think he's going to be a very good player. He came into the season, and um, I, I thought he had a pretty good camp, but, you know, through fall camp and then also spring ball and even going back to fall camp last year, he does tend to make a lot of risky decisions with the ball. To me, at least to some extent in practice, since he didn't throw a lot of picks last season, I kind of chalked that up to, you know, he's taking risks in practice, like this isn't a real game, and maybe push your boundaries a little bit and see what happens. But once he got into the season, uh, just the turnovers have been really constant. A lot of uh, bad decisions on the interceptions. Most of them, some of them are bad throws, but most of them are just, you know, why are you throwing that ball, basically? And he even had, I think, a couple fumbles or a fumble that was returned for a touchdown against UNLV on a play that was pretty preventable. So he, uh, you know, has been able to at least come up with a lot of big plays. Their downfield passing game has been pretty good. But uh, he kind of he's banged up. And I think a combination of that and also performance issues and trying to send a message that you can't just throw a bunch of pick sixes uh, led to him being benched for Ken Seals, who is a, a veteran backup. He was Vanderbilt starter back in 2020. So he hasn't played against Georgia, I don't think, since they that game got canceled. And he's like kind of a lower lower upside, but like higher floor type of guy who makes more, you know, I'd say he makes better decisions with the football, uh, but he doesn't have the arm talent. So, uh, you know, I think it kind of depends on what you're looking for in terms of who you think has been the better player. My personal opinion would be that Vanderbilt kind of needs that upside if they're going to pull upsets in the SEC, you know, with Swan. But um, for this game, it's going to be Ken Seals, and I think Swan is probably going to take over as the starter again after the bye week. Something that has been worth watching uh, for Vanderbilt this year is how they would replace Ray Davis, who obviously has uh, really hit the ground running in Lexington and had a good season for Kentucky. Uh, how have they gone about replacing his production? Who are some of those running backs who have stepped up to the table? Yeah, they have a running back by committee situation. Cedric Alexander is is the best of the bunch. He's a true freshman. He, he really is pretty good, to be honest. Um, Patrick Smith is sort of a speed guy. He's a junior and was a starter coming into the season. I think they just kind of defaulted to experience there. And then Chase Gillespie is a redshirt freshman who is more of a third down back type of guy. I think all three of them are okay players. Um, and Alexander, I think, is going to be a very good player in time. But uh, Vandy has really, really struggled. Uh, to run block in front of them. And this actually goes back to fall camp. They were really struggling uh, to open holes during fall camp. And I, I remember I asked Clark Lee at one point after one of the scrimmages where they really couldn't run the ball, you know, how concerned are you about this? And he said he wasn't. Uh, I think they were relying on having all their basically four out of five starters and also their sixth guy back on the O-line from last season. And, and they felt that as a result of having all that returning uh, experience that they would be pretty good up front and that just has not been the case at all and so the production the run game has been really poor I think that's more so though due to the offensive line play than the running backs when we talked to Kirby Smart this week and previewed Vanderbilt something he said right away very speedy receivers who are those guys that have been playmakers at receiver guys that Georgia fans should be on the lookout for on Saturday Sure. Will Shepard is the big one. He's not really a speed guy, although he's not slow. I mean, he had an 85-yard touchdown catch last week against Florida. He, I think, um, I'll be interested to see where his draft stock ends up being. Like, I think he could be a day two pick, but he's had some drops this season. 
Uh, he also, you know, has had some issues with fumbles over the last couple of years, and there's some question about like kind of his focus level. I would say, talent-wise, he's definitely he was a high school basketball star, and he's really talented and a great uh, red zone target because he has really good body control. So he's going to be probably somewhere like a third or fourth round pick, I think. Then other than him, they've got pretty good depth at that position, actually. It's definitely the best position on their team. Jaden McGowan is a slot receiver who sometimes they'll line up at running back. He runs a 4-3-5, so he's small. He's like 5-6, but he's very fast. And a couple other guys like um, Quincy Skinner Jr., who's pretty good with the ball in, in his hands. And then London Humphreys, who's a true freshman, who was the fastest. He took over for uh, Barry on Brown from Kentucky as the fastest high schooler in the state of Tennessee. Uh, he's also six foot three, and so even though he's new to football, you know, if you're six three and and are really fast, that's pretty good to be a wide receiver. And so he's been a good deep threat. Uh, so those are kind of the main guys. Junior Cheryl is another true freshman who's been pretty good for them. He played for Trent Dilfer at Lipscomb Academy. That's the best high school program in the state of Tennessee. Uh, and so they do actually they do have some weapons in the passing game at receiver, and so that. Um, you know, I think like compared to two years ago, it's really not comparable in terms of the weapons that they have on offense and yet they're two and five. Yeah. I'd have to imagine that's really frustrating, especially for Vanderbilt fans who, you know, were hoping that they could take a step forward this year. Um, flipping over to the defense, Robbie, who are the guys that have stood out the most on this Commodore's defense? Who are some of the names we may hear quite a bit when we get to Saturday? CJ, CJ Taylor would be the big one. He's a hybrid. He plays like their hybrid safety outside linebacker position, and he was their best defensive player last season. And uh, he's taken maybe like a half step back. I, I don't, you know, I mean, we're the season's not over yet, and we'll see how it ends up going. But he's got good speed for, you know, kind of a, a linebacker, and, and he can really run sideline to sideline. I think he's only like 205 pounds, so he is built more like a safety but he's very physical, and, I mean, he's a legitimately good player. He had a pick last week against Florida. You know, actually, they're going to be missing a lot of guys on defense, including Jericky Wright, who's uh, starting safety, who uh, is probably their second-best defensive player. He's out with a high ankle sprain. I think kind of they're just taking the L there, honestly, understanding that, like, they're not going to win this game and they need to get him healthy for after the bye week. I, like, they only have one healthy outside cornerback, I believe, for this game. Uh like their their two their best starting corner Martel Height, who's from Rome, Georgia, he is out with an injury. They're they've kind of rotated starters on the other side, and both those guys, EJ Anderson and Trudel Berry, are banged up. Uh, I don't know whether I think Trudel Berry will play, and Anderson probably won't. So they'll have like three healthy outside corners, or at least three available outside corners who have really played in games this season or maybe even only two, and one of them is is like kind of playing injured. So that's going to be an issue. I mean, Carson Beck is going to get whatever he wants. Yeah, Robbie, I was just looking at uh, Vanderbilt's schedule to end this season, and it is not very easy. Georgia, Ole Miss, Auburn, by South Carolina, and Tennessee. I mean, this is going to be a pretty difficult close to the year for the Commodores. Yeah, it, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why, you know, you they knew that they had to make hay on the front half of the schedule. They did the opposite of that. So I do think, you know, they've had they had the um, week zero game against Hawaii. And so their season and their preseason started a little bit earlier. And they feel like they didn't, um, you know, something about the ramp up to the season they didn't handle right. And they've had a lot of injuries coming out of that. And it's just kind of like spiraled. 
So if they can get healthier coming out of the first bye week, then I think that, you know, they could maybe beat Auburn potentially. I mean, if they're at least closer to full strength and Auburn is pretty up and down, I know they played well against Georgia, but they've had some bad games too. Other than that, um, you know, South Carolina is not very good, I guess, but it's, it's possible that Vanderbilt finishes two and 10, that that would not be stunning at all. And that, that would really not speak highly to, you know, the level of coaching that's going on, honestly, because it's a substantially better roster, even though it's young. Yeah, then uh, the two and ten team from two years ago. We will take a quick break, come back, and talk a little bit specifically about what we're going to see Saturday, our expectations, and how we see this game playing out. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back, everybody. Well, Robbie, looking at this game and really the preparation for this game, what have the conversations been around the Vanderbilt program when it comes to playing Georgia? Obviously, the number one team in the country and a team that Vanderbilt has struggled against these last few years. Uh, what have you been hearing? What have the conversations been around the program getting ready for Saturday's game? I think they want to get to the bye week and get healthy, uh, honestly, is what it is. Um, I think they've got bigger issues than, than just this game. They need to get A.J. Swan back you know, in the right frame of mind and, and to stop turning the ball over and all that. Yeah, they, they're they going to have some stuff to fix on defense. Maybe they'll need to make a defensive coordinator change during the bye week. So I don't think – I mean, you know, they're going to try their best, I guess. But to me, I just, I just don't – you know, I, there's almost not that much to talk about from this game in that – they're just going to be – I think they have to be realistic that they could play a decent game and still lose by three or four touchdowns. Uh, so I imagine they're probably just kind of focused on themselves like all the coaches always say and hoping to maybe, um, you know, if and when young guys get into this game, hopefully from their perspective that, that they can show something. But I, I don't know. I mean, it's not a quote-unquote pivotal game for Vanderbilt at least because this was – you know, coming into the season, everybody knew who's going to win this one. Looking at this game, like you said, I mean, if, if they were to lose by three or four touchdowns, that would be a huge step in the right direction against Georgia. Yeah. Georgia's beaten them 117 to nothing in the last two meetings. Let's say we're looking at Saturday's game, Robbie, and not saying Vanderbilt is going to pull the upset. None of us are expecting that. But what do you feel like could constitute a successful day for Vanderbilt? What would you need to see to say, okay, this was about as good as it could go for the Commodores against Georgia? I think number one would be scoring, right? Like they haven't scored against Georgia since 2019, I believe. And yeah, there was a canceled game in there, but that's still, I still count that. Um, they probably wouldn't have scored in that game either, to be honest. So that would be number one. I'd say number two, you know, since Clark Lee got here, 
Uh, you know, he came to Vanderbilt with the reputation of like his Notre Dame defenses. Uh, gave up very, very few big plays. It wasn't as much. I don't know if you looked back at like the yardage that they would be, you know, at the top of every list from 2018, 2019, whatever years he was DC there. I think it was more that uh, it, it, they weren't giving up explosive plays and they were able to then get stops in the red zone. And that has not been like, that's what they want the identity of Vanderbilt's defense to be. And it just hasn't happened at all since he's gotten here. They gave up a ton of big plays through the air because their corners have really, really struggled. Uh, they've been trying to get more speed on the back end of the defense. And I think they have done that, but some of those guys are still, you know, they're like freshmen or redshirt freshmen and they're kind of still developing. So I would say like, you know, if they get on the scoreboard and can just minimize the number of long breakout touchdowns that, that Georgia gets and force Georgia to work for it, then that would probably be a success for them. Vandy, so this is an amazing stat. They are seven games in the season. They're the only team in the country that has not covered the spread in a game the entire season. So I, I think if they can, like, play above the, quote, unquote, like, neutral expectations, you know, in the form of covering the spread, like, they've been consistently falling short of their talent level all season. So if they play like a disciplined game and make Georgia work for it for, you know, a little bit, then I think that would be maybe not a success, but at least a step in the right direction for them. Yeah. It's funny. Georgia hadn't covered until that week six game against Kentucky, but the expectations a little bit higher when you consider those two teams, Robbie, how do you see this thing playing out? And if you want to give a score prediction for this one, by all means, go for it. Yeah, I, I just um, – I think Vandy is so banged up that I struggle to see uh, how – you know, I mean, maybe they can score, but I struggle to see, especially on defense, I don't I don't know how they're going to stop Georgia. So I'll go, like, 49 to nothing. I'll say, I think, like, Georgia – I'm honestly pretty skeptical that Georgia is going to be all that motivated for this one and that they beat this – you know, they beat the snot out of this team every single time. They're also heading into their bye week. We all know what's going to happen here. But – uh, I think even if Georgia sleepwalks for like a quarter or something, it, it's just hard for me to see Vandy being able to contain Brock Bowers and those receivers. And I know Carson Peck is playing well. So I think Georgia is really going to have their way in the passing game. And I, I think the thing with Vandy is that, you know, when Ken Seals is playing, um, it, you know, they're going to have to string together longer drives because they're less explosive as an offense. And I don't think they're going to have the ability to do that against a defense like Georgia's. So, it, like, I think having – if they had Swan available, and he, I guess he is available, but he's not going to play probably, I think that would bode better for their chances of doing something on offense. And so I think there's a lot of things stacked against them here. And, and I fully – you know, I, you know I, if this game is within 14 points at the end of the first quarter, I'd be surprised, honestly. Yeah, I think, Robbie, you and I are on sort of the same wavelength with this game. I've got Georgia 45 to nothing. I just think that Georgia wants to come in, especially with the way they played against Kentucky. I think that they're able to carry that over, have a big game, and understand that, uh, you know, there is a very uh, opportune bye week coming up, getting ready before they play Florida, before they play a very difficult second half of the schedule. I think they understand um, trying to finish on a high note, and I don't know that Kirby Smart would admit it, um, but I do think that he he does enjoy beating Vanderbilt after the 2016 yeah. game. His first one, uh, Vanderbilt pulls the big upset in Sanford Stadium. Just to rattle off real quick, our other picks at Dogs 24-7, Kip Adams has Georgia 49-6, to and Benjamin Wolk has Georgia 52-0. So uh, it doesn't seem like anyone uh, among us is expecting much of a game. No, yeah. I, I, 
Yeah, I think uh, given this the circumstances, the talent gap is already pretty high, but or pretty large. But I, I don't. Vandy is not in a good spot. Uh, I think you can see from the second half against Florida. Florida is obviously not a great football team by any means, and Vandy beat them last year, and, and they had a lot of issues in that game after the first quarter and a half. So I think you'll see some of those show up again. Jenna Smith on YouTube says, "Wow, I'm really liking Robbie." So uh, <laughs> you got you got some fans tuning in and uh, appreciate the insight. I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me, I guess. <laughs> well, bef- before, we get, before we get out of here, Robbie, um, if you want to pass along anything you guys are working on or, or anything or ways folks can follow you before we get to Saturday and they can keep up with your Vanderbilt content. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, my site is largely subscriber-based at this point as opposed to uh, quantity of, like, free articles. But if you're a subscriber to 24-7 and you're, for some reason, interested in Vanderbilt recruiting, you know, I have a good amount of premium content there. I also um, work for 24-7's national college football team and have two or three columns a week uh, that are usually up on the, the main website uh, if you're just a college football fan in general enjoy that. Well, we'll wrap it up right there. Robbie, again, I appreciate you coming on board with us. I appreciate everyone who watched this live, everybody who is listening to it after the fact. Be sure to go to Dogs 24-7 if you haven't already and subscribe. Uh, get all the VIP content there. And also go to our YouTube, Dogs 24-7. Watch all of Kirby Smart's post-game press conferences, our interviews with players, and the podcast like this one we did with Robbie. So for Robbie Weinstein, I am Jordan Hill. Until next time, take care. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.